This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. And it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And, I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by shopify you know i use shopify you guys go on the you know inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you it's so amazing shopify i can't think of anyone else that would do this uh the right way like shopify does shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify's there to help you grow it's so easy to navigate and when you want to add discounts like for instance i just had a discount where i put uh michael 15 and that was my discount code. How much of a percent? 15% off the total order. Easy. Adding products. It's so easy. You put a picture. You just upload a picture. You put a description. It, it, it does everything for you. And the analytics are so easy to use. Uh, this is the most selling product. Oh, I should get more of those. This is the least selling product. This is how much I made for this month compared to last year or last month. It's so easy to navigate. I feel like a pro. And Shopify has really helped me do that. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. 
You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Are you guys, let me know if you're enjoying the Supernatural Week. I know some people who don't know Supernatural probably aren't listening. In fact, I don't know why I'm mentioning it because they're not listening. But if you are listening, I appreciate it. And I'm giving you what you asked for a long time ago. People have always asked me, why isn't the cast of Supernatural on? And um, well, they are now. One of the big guns is on the show today. You know, there's two guys, really, and then there's the, the other cast, which are just as important. But uh, first and foremost, I want to throw again, I do it every episode, In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. So please download it and subscribe and write a review. We, Chris and I love you. October 18th, I'll be signing in Columbus, Ohio with Tom Welling. Madison, Wisconsin on October 25th. November 8th, Austin, Texas. November 15th. I'll be in Germany with my band Left on Laurel, and I've been saying this all week. Sorry for the plugs, but we're really proud of our album. It's available on iTunes Friday on all platforms. You can pre-order it right now at the iTunes store, and uh, merch will be on the Inside of You store for hats, stickers, shirts, vinyls, all that jazz. Um, at the end of this episode, we are going to play the third track to Left on Laurel's debut album, which I'm very proud of, Saved by the Ground. Today, let's get inside this guy, Jared Padalecki. Man, what a treat he was. He's full of enthusiasm, and he's such a sarcastic son of a bee. I love you, Padalecki. This was a real joy for me having you on here, and um, I, I love the success you've had on this show because Smallville was just – Smallville was, like, I think just ending, or I was just leaving Smallville in Season 7 as this supernatural came on, and old Sammy Winchester. Oh, good old Sam Winchester. Sammy and Dean. Padalecki talks pretty frankly about his time on this show, and I think you'll dig it. This is the final season of Supernatural. Let's get inside of Jared Padalecki. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Do you remember that song? And it's you and me and all of the people who nothing to do. Yeah, Lifehouse. I can't take my eyes off of you and me. I, don't know if that was, I think you're making up lyrics now, but I think that was on. I think they were on your show. Wasn't Lifehouse on Smallville back I think, in the day? I think the band was on on Smallville at one point. How do you remember that? Somebody watch Smallville. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Secret super fan. I've got Lex <laughs> Luthor tattooed on my uh, upper left pec. How loserish of me if I actually had pajamas that said LL on them. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine a girl coming over and going, what's that? I think the real question is, is how loser would you be if you did not have pajamas that said <laughs> LL on it? I really don't. But you know what I did just buy? I swear to God, do not. You're the first person I'm telling. <laughs> I tweeted that I didn't win the bid. But I actually found out that I did win the bid because I saw a number and I was like, I didn't bid that much. But there were all these service fees. I bid on Burt Reynolds auction for his pajamas. And I won. No way. <laughs> yeah, I have Burt Reynolds. I get him next week, Burt Reynolds pajamas. <laughs> well, if the rumors are true, uh, there's going to be far too much space in the crotch area of his pajamas. I'm going to have his DNA, Lonnie Anderson's DNA. Who else was was on those pajamas? Sally Fields DNA. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> oh, Sally, what's on your uh, armband? Oh, it's my. Uh, <laughs> see, I am a I have a douchebag. 
just inside of you. It's my own. That's it's my. Right. No, my I got pop. it. I got I'm going to send you some. Would you wear them? I would love to. Uh, not a word of a lie. I wear four armbands every day during my workout. I would love to rock some. Send, uh, I'm going to send you some. You'll email me your dress. I'll send you that, whatever you want. Yeah. Done. Uh, I think you have my dress. But yeah, I, I do think it's curious that you were you were concerned about having LL and being too douchebag. But meanwhile, you have an armband that says <laughs> fucking Michael Rosenbaum on it. <laughs> He's normally <laughs> wearing a hat that says it too. Hey, talking to your Mike <laughs> producer guy. That's Rob, by the way, Jared. Without him... We wouldn't have figured hey, no it out. no offense, Rob. I'll gladly add you as my uh, contact. I didn't mean what I wrote. On your fake Skype, Skype account that we created for you? Yeah, Padla Dickey. I just talked to Jensen. I just talked to Misha. I had awesome. already talked to Mark Shepard. So you're the final piece of the puzzle, dude. All right, save the best for last. By the way, that looks like a beautiful home you got there in Texas. Thanks, man. This is my office. I'll give you a little uh, Arlo. Get back, on, get back on the couch. Now, no one's seeing this except me. No, I know. This is my home office. Your office is bigger than my house. Yeah, no shit, man. 15 seasons. <laughs> he's, in, he's in Texas. This We're isn't my office, LA. by the way. This is the library. <laughs> so my guest house, you can see the pool. I mean, you probably can't see it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we have some friends playing, and this is one of my favorite places to come out, have a cigar, have a glass of wine. We have four seats here uh my guest house is pretty awesome has my office on the third floor so we come out and play guitar and um chill out but yeah yeah we uh how far are you from uh, austin uh i I live in austin well from what part of austin i mean i live in city the city i am uh no traffic uh probably less than 20 minutes i just live in westlake my uh genevieve and i lived in west austin for a while uh this is back in 2010 when we first moved here um, and then West Austin, super expensive and West Lake is really awesome and not much further. So we got more for our money and found this big pad where we have a basketball court and, um, you know, we have chickens and, uh, a, a guest house for, cause, uh, Genevieve's from California and my, my family's from San Antonio. And you met on set, you met in season like four or some shit. Yeah. Season four, episode one, actually day one of filming season four, um, we met and, uh, just kind of kept working with each other, went on a date about four months later. Wait, so so it took four months before you actually went on a date with her. So there was a lot of flirting on set. You guys were flirting with each other. I don't know if we, we were flirting with each other. I probably flirted with her more than she flirted with me, but she wasn't a regular. So she probably she probably filmed 10 to 15 days before I finally asked her out, but over four months. You know, like she wasn't, right. the show was about me and Jensen and, you know, Misha was introduced in the same episode that Jen was introduced that's kind of funny, actually. Uh, Misha's first episode is the same as Genevieve's first episode. So, and you guys are tight. You and Misha are pretty tight, right? Yeah, but Genevieve's a lot better looking, so I wasn't going <laughs> to propose to him. Well, you met one of your best friends that would probably be forever, along with your I met wife. A couple of my best buddies. Yeah. yeah, 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 a couple of them. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. So, when you went on your first date with Genevieve, were you nervous? You're like, "Oh crap! I, we work together. Is this weird? Does she think I'm using a kind of like? I mean, or was she kind of like charmed by you immediately?" I don't know. Maybe some combination. You'd have to ask her for the truth. But my version of the stories is sort of that um, we went out for lunch on a Saturday to Cactus Club, as you know very well. I had some sweet potato fries. She was, I think I saw her in the lunch ta- uh, lunchroom one time on set, and she was eating french fries. And I was like, oh, that's brave. And she's like, I love fries. And so I remembered that. And I was like, well, my favorite fries in Vancouver are the Cactus Club Cafe sweet potato fries. So I invited her out for lunch. 
uh, stayed for dinner and never looked back. I, I think back in that day, back in season four, 2008, Jared was pretty obnoxious. Like, I don't think I was nervous. I think I was sort of like, yeah, I'm badass. I got a TV show, you know, like, <laughs> I have a Corvette. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of like, a, I'm the coolest guy I know. <laughs> Luckily, I think I had too much confidence and I asked her out. Otherwise I wouldn't have, but uh, she humbled me. But yeah, we never looked back. Did you obviously kiss the first night? No, we don't kiss on the first dates. We we hugged. You didn't kiss on the f- yeah right. I mean, like I don't want this to be some kind of hashtag movement, but yes, we did. We did. <laughs> What's wrong with that? You're not gonna be. A ha- this is like two people who enjoy each other who had a kiss. Maybe okay, some more. Yeah. You had a couple of meals at the Cactus Club. Maybe a kiss was in order. We did. We did. We kissed. Um, obviously, we made sure that her parents were watching, so it was appropriate. Uh, it was on the front porch. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, the first the first date was a was a hit. Is it true that you actually tested for Tom Welling's part of Clark Kent? Is it true? Kind of. So at the time I was on Gilmore Girls. Did you like working on that show? I did. I dug it. I mean, for me, I started Gilmore Girls when I was 17. I was in uh, uh, San Antonio at the time. I was going to go to UT Austin, which is why we found our way back to Austin. We loved the city and all that. Um, and I I think every I think every single white person that was above six feet tall tested for uh, Clark Kent. Did you not? Did you not test for Clark Kent? <laughs> I mean, look at me. Do I look like I tested for Clark Kent? I was the evil, weird-looking one. I feel like every, especially everybody in the cadre of sort of like WB television white boy actors at the time that were, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taller than Tom. I'm a big white dude, you know, yeah. so that kind of lends itself to Clark Kent. Tom was certainly better for it than I was. But yeah, I, I did test for it. it was, I don't think it was like an official testing, but it was sort of like one of these, hey, come meet with the gang and Joe and all that. And I knew David Nutter. He hired me for my first ever job, a um, guest star on ER. So he did ER, and then he t- did, uh, so you met him on Smallville. Well, and- I didn't end up doing Smallville. No, I know. I, I- I'm saying then you, you, but you also, you met him when you were testing yes, for it. Yeah. And then you went on to Supernatural, which he, he directed the pilot. That's it. He directed the pilot and the first episode. So I had met David. He hired me to play like a car crash victim on ER. My dad was Jim Belushi. I had great times. I learned how to do a wheelie on wheelchairs, which was pretty fun. And then I guess years later when he was going to do the pilot of Supernatural, I don't know how it all worked out. They brought me in. I don't know if it was him or Eric Kripke or McGee or whoever was involved. Then after Smallville, which for me was – I don't think it was a big deal. Like I think, I think everybody went in. I know Jensen went in and got pretty far. I did not. But then when Supernatural was going to happen, they brought me back and I uh, took a meeting and Eric Kripke, who created the show, I always laugh because apparently his critique was, well, we want somebody who's intellectual. <laughs> well, wait, hang on. You laugh about that, but I, I didn't know this, but you uh, weren't, I mean, you were pretty smart growing up. Growing up, I was. I, I mean, you were happened. an intellect. You were an intellect. I mean, you. I, I did all right for myself. Yeah, I was a. I was a mathlete. I was a national merit scholar and did all that. Did you do jazz. forensic, or was that your buddy? You partnered. I know I did. I won the national tournament in forensics. Yeah, I did speech and debate. I'm actually judging the national finals in two days because they're in Dallas. So when I did national uh, speech and debate, it was in St. Louis. This was in 1998. I was 15. <clears throat> and I won nationals in duo interpretation. What does that mean? What does duo interpretation mean? Duo interpretation is basically a duet scene, but you face forward as opposed to facing each other. So if you and I were doing a scene about an interview, 
you would be looking towards the audience as would I. It's almost like you're doing your coverage of a scene. You're kind of facing the camera. You're both facing the camera. You're not facing each other. So it feels more, I think from an audience perspective, if there was a scene where we were in a fight and I punched you, then I would just punch forward and you would react with your jaw or whatever. It's called duo interpretation. And I was, uh, it started in like 1996, I think. And uh, my partner, Chris Cardenas and I won nationals in 1998. I have that giant trophy and uh, I sleep with it every night in my own private bed because Genevieve won't let me uh, take it to bed with us. But what is, I mean, I'm still thinking, won the National Forensic League, Nash, forensic, I think forensic files and crime. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess forensics can mean anything. It's kind of it's kind of the deduction of, uh, of anything. You know, you can be a, 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 a medical forensic person or you can be a financial forensic person. Oh. It's kind of like breaking it down to its finest element and then building it back up. And with debate, you know, part of it is, Who's your favorite basketball team? The <laughs> embarrassing the New York Knicks. That is embarrassing. Now I need you to argue why the Los Angeles Lakers this year are the best basketball team. So you don't believe it, but it helps you flesh your ideas out. Like with debate, they basically give you a subject: abortion. You know, one of these like a hot, hot topic, hot trigger subjects: abortion, immigration. And they say, okay, you're pro, you're con. Here's 15 minutes. Now you're going to come debate each other. And so even if, let's say you're very, very wildly pro-life, if they point to you and say, hey, you're pro-choice, then you have to now argue pro-choice. And so it helps you kind of go like, well, what does the other side, quote unquote, think about this? Like, how can I, how can I justify this? But also that's scary. That's scary because now you're, you're, conv- you're saying all these stereotypes or really trying to convince yourself or the other person that you or know what you're talking about when really that you don't believe what you're saying. That's kind of like, it's probably what a lot of people do anyway, is they, they pontificate about shit that they think, and then they start talking about it and they realize I'm wrong. It's, it's, you know, you hear seven people around you saying like, Steph Curry's the greatest basketball player of all time. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, he is. But then if somebody says, like, well, now argue that Kawhi Leonard is, then you have to force yourself to go, like, okay, well, what's Kawhi do? It kind of, it, it, in a wonderful way, it forces you to look inside. And almost, it's great for acting because you're not an evil person by any means. But you had to play a bad guy, quote unquote, for a long time. And then you, you had to play several right. people. You have to, you have to try and humanize them, quote unquote, the other side. Or even somebody else who you slightly differ to. So I feel like it was invaluable in what I do for a living now or what I've done for the last 20 years at least. That's really interesting. I, I didn't know anything. Did you, Rob, did you know anything about that stuff? I did not. Yeah, we should start arguing about things. Hey, does Genevieve ever say, stop debating with me. I don't want to hear your shit. You, you know, you're, you're, getting, you're doing this on purpose. Does she ever say it? Or how many times a day does she say it? <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I'm sort of well-known in all the circles I run around as the devil's advocate. Whatever the subject, even if I agree 100%, I'll argue it. Just to kind of flesh out my own mm. ideas. Maybe to be a little bit provocative. Do people just hate it? I guess maybe yes. Hey, when you when you guys are on hiatus, which you are now, and you go back in a couple of weeks or whatever, do you do you still hang out with Jensen at all? You're like, hey, this is our time away because we're like on top of each other all the time, or do you still like going? Hey, we're having a barbecue. Come I on do. Over. I saw him the other day. I saw him uh, two days ago. Um, I talked to him today. I'll see him in a couple of days as well. I see him as much as I see any of my other friends. I suppose you know. I mean, he has a wife and three kids. I have a wife and three kids. So. So you guys are, they're all friends. The kids are friends. Yeah, they play, they go to school together. But yeah, I see Ackles all the time. I mean, he's, he's a grown man. He's a 41 year old man. Um, I'm, I'm a few years behind him, 
but he's a he's a husband and a father. I think with Ackles, it's a really cool thing where I can be around him 24 hours a day, or I can be around him one hour every month. But it's we know who each other are. You know, like I know who he is. I know if he's not calling me, it's not he's mad at me. It's because he's with his kids. He's watching his twins, or he's taking care of business at the brewery, or he's with his wife, or they're doing whatever. And I think vice versa. You know, you have some buddies who kind of give you a hard time for not calling, and you're like, motherfucker. I'm so busy with so many things. I'm not avoiding you. Of course, that's immaturity. Though. That's high school crap. That's high school crap. Your friends understand. The majority of my long-term friends are the type of people who, if I don't see them for two months, I'll run into them. It's like, dude, how you been? You look like, let's catch up. It, it, it feels like two days has passed or right. something. And that, yeah, that's, 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 that's friendship. You know what I mean? Was it weird that you guys were... I mean, you started the show, you were pretty much kids for the most part. I mean, you how old were you when you started the show? 20, I was 22 during the pilot. 22. I'll be 37 next month. It's been 14 years, so I was 22. You grew up on this show. Big time. And, you know, when you first met Jensen, did you guys hit it off immediately? Like, were you like buds right away? Yeah, sure. We certainly weren't then where we are now, but in my opinion, we certainly had kind of a realization like, oh... I can get along with this dude, you know, and you've lived in LA for how many years now? Like 21. You meet some people where you're like, okay, this is not my kind of person. I can be around them. I can work with them. I can have dinner with them, but I don't want to see them uh, outside of when I'm forced to see them. Mm-hmm. That's not the situation with Jensen. We kind of met and it was sort of like, Hey, where are you from? Texas. Where are you from? Texas. Who's your football team? Cowboys. Uh, tell me about your family. Well, my parents are married. Uh, I got an older brother and younger sister. Tell me about your family. Uh, my parents are married. I got an older brother and younger sister. Like, or, did you, or, or did you say, no, you don't? What, what do you mean? No, you don't. I'm going to tell you why you don't. I'm going to take the other side of that conversation. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I don't know. I think I was too nervous then. Yeah, we had a lot in common, a lot of common goals, a lot of common passions, and our work ethic and stuff like that. I, I, I think... Uh, there are a lot of reasons Supernatural is gone as long as it's gone and while we have another year. And I think a lot of it is that he and I were just committed to kind of being dudes, you know, like he's not one of these party guys who has a bunch of scandals, nor am I like, we're just kind of like, I'm a dad, man. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a dog owner. And you know, I have chickens that I went out and got an egg today and we have a guard. Like I just want to relax and chill out. And I think the same with him. We're both hard workers. We can work when we want to, but we got along pretty immediately. I just don't want to make it seem like, oh, we were best friends from moment one. Well, he says that your work ethic is different than his. He says you put more work into it. You read the script a lot of times. You really learn your shit. You go in there prepared where he, the night before, reads it over. I, like I'm more like you. I, I, I wish I could do that. I wish I had a photographic memory. I wish I could, like, you know, Kristen Bell was on the podcast and she talks about that. If I could do that, I, I, would, ne- I would be, I, I really feel like I'd be the biggest movie star in the world. I disagree, man. The, with uh, the fact that, I, <laughs> that I'd be the biggest. Yeah, player. he would not be. Bullshit. If I could memorize lines and not have to stress about them and like go in and like know it and just be able to do anything, oh my God, I'd never be nervous. I've loved you for years, but listen, you got to look at like pictures of uh, Chris Hemsworth and stuff and then just put them I'm nice saying I, of you. I'd say best actor. I didn't say the best looking guy. You said the biggest movie star. In the world. And I just want to combat that. Did that sound cocky? No, yeah. let's, let's debate this. Well, hang How on. Would you not- Biggest movie star. Yeah, so gonna, I'm going to say Michael Rosenbaum, you would be the biggest movie star. Prove me wrong. I couldn't be. I'm too lazy. Um, <laughs> I get fatigued easily. Um, you know, I just worry too much. 
Um, I need to see therapy. I had some childhood trauma. Uh, <laughs> you're right. I couldn't do it. You're right, Rob. I couldn't do this. If I'm arguing pro, I'd say, listen, nobody without childhood trauma, and that sounds like a quadruple negative. It's, a, it's purposeful. But you need some childhood trauma to get to a place where you have the emotional depth. Quit doubting yourself. Like, I don't want to see Mr. Perfect go like, oh, I'm so sad. I want to see somebody with some sadness. There's a reason we watch Sean Penn. There's a reason we listen to Tom Waits. You know, they've right. got some the sadness legit- behind them. There's something There's, dark the behind them. sadness is more interesting. That makes you a bigger movie star. Yeah. And you know what? Sure, you're a little strange looking. Yeah. But, I'm, you know, George Clooney, like, he's got a little too many gray hairs. Don't he's not perfect dare. either. Don't you dare. <laughs> And let me tell you something, Jared. By the way, when I said that a while back, Rob's like, that sounds cocky. I wasn't, what I was saying was like, God, if I, was, if I had a photographic memory, I, I didn't mean I was, I'd be the biggest star in the world. But yeah, I feel like I would be further along than I am because I wouldn't worry about learning lines. And part of my thing is like, I, I really take too much time and I really want to learn it as opposed to being able to go, I got it. I got it. Moving on. I, yeah, I'll say this. This might be different. And this is legit. Like I find some weird pleasure in the process like i don't watch the show i don't watch my work i don't avoid it like the play like if 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 it's a thursday and it's on or if i'm sitting in a bar on a on a morning where nba playoffs were on the night before and so there's a rerun i'll watch it i'll chuckle i'll giggle i'll go like oh i remember that but i don't get off for the 42 minutes of screen time that end up making it to television i get off on the hours leading up to the process Yeah, like that's what gets like I just for instance, Jensen and I ran a marathon together with a bunch of the other crew of Supernatural uh, and cast for charity in Seattle in November. He ran it. He was like, fuck that. Done. One and done. I ran it. I sat in the bathtub an hour later and signed up for the Austin Marathon two months later. Then I ran the Boston Marathon two months after that. Uh, In two weeks, I'm running Jesus. Two weeks from now, I'm running uh, ultra marathon in the Swiss Alps. Like, I just love the process. I, I love reading. And Jensen would say this as well. Like, he's like, yeah, I, I enjoy reading, but he's not he, He's not going to go home and go like, man, I have an hour. I'm going to grab a book. And I'm not speaking out of turn. I think he would say the same thing. I love the, like, I read, he always makes fun of me. And he's right. Like, I, it's a weird thing about me. I read instruction booklets still. Like, if I buy an iPhone, I've had 12 iPhones, you know, every time. You read they, the whole thing. I don't read the whole thing to memorize it, but I just go through that process of unpacking something. Maybe it's the debate and speech forensic uh, background, but I get off on that. Like if I see Burns, what is that hockey jersey behind you? And, and I know people can't see this, but there's a Burns. Yeah, he's uh, probably going to win Norris Trophy of the Year this year for best defenseman. He won it last year. One of my close friends who plays, he's a star defenseman for the San Jose Sharks. Awesome. I want to know where he's from, how he grew up. Like, how did he get there? Like, you know, like I, I'm saying when I see something, a book, a person, uh, a trophy, uh, an episode. I want to know how it was made. I want to know the steps that went into it. I, for whatever reason, it's probably a genetic character flaw. That's pretty crazy. That's that's a good thing, man. I wish I was like that because a, I don't read instruction manuals, which is why everything's put together wrong. You don't need to read instruction manuals anymore. Jensen always teases me. He's right. You don't need to watch a video. There's a tutorial on online. By the way, it's made to work. I would argue that you could probably grab 99% of any product on the shelf right now and, and use it and figure it out without reading instruction manual. But you're probably giving your children a good lesson in how to follow direction and things and like men- that. And, yeah, and mental dysfunction. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there some mental dysfunction there? Uh, yeah, and OCD. Yeah, a little bit of a lesson in OCD. Did you have a good childhood? 
I had an amazing childhood. You did. What what makes a great childhood? What makes a great childhood? I don't know what makes a great childhood, but what made my childhood great was my parents are still married. We saw them on Father's Day. They came up to visit. I had an older brother who's a dear friend, you know, best man at my wedding, and I was best man of his. I have a younger sister who's a phenomenal young lady, and she lives in San Francisco, and we'll see each other this weekend, as a matter of fact, even though she lives several states away. You can't deny having a support system. Like, I, I, I knew if I fell, if I flawed, I had people on my team. Uh, but beyond that, I feel like I was in a position where I had to fail and had to flaw. I didn't have some safety net where I never messed up. I wanted the satisfaction of doing something for myself. And beyond that, I had to do something for myself. You know, we didn't grow up super wealthy by any means. Uh, we grew up in a great house. You know, we had three squares a day and we had cars that were safe and I had my own bedroom. Like, I'm not saying I was, you know, in the projects by any means. We're not million, you know, we weren't like, oh, you're a millionaire and you weren't can go privileged, out. right? Weren't necessarily. Yeah, I wasn't. We weren't financially privileged. Uh, I was certainly privileged. And then I was a, a tall white dude. Um, sure, sure. And, you know what I mean? Like, I, I certainly had my I certainly had and have my good fortune, good blessings. I'm a white guy. My legs and arms work well enough to get me around. Good facial uh, hair. Good facial hair when I'm allowed to grow it tall. There were certain obvious blessings for I, I always I have a funny relationship with like privileged fortunate and blessed and I don't know my definition of those three words yet I love unpacking it with people who love to unpack it with me so I don't know if I was privileged blessed or fortunate or some combination of all three but I feel like I had all the raw materials other than the way I looked when I was born and having a good support system nothing was really given to me you know I had to fight to you know, I'm the 15 year old in Texas who's quitting sports to be an actor, you know, and your friends and family are like, uh, what? Like, why aren't you gonna play football? This is Texas. You know, and you're like, well, I love the theater. <laughs> we got into that with Jensen too, where he talked about that, having makeup on and all, all the baseball players looking at him like, yeah. going, all right, man, you just sang this song. And I'm like, that's gotta be weird. I, I remember it happened to me for the first time when I did a play and, but I was like, nobody, nobody looked at me anyway. But when I did a play, that was the first time I actually got recognized where a popular kid was like, Hey man, you're funny in that play. And that just changed my life. Just hearing somebody who I thought was way better than me. I, I felt like, Oh my God, I got to do this. I got, I can't be me. I've got to pretend to be somebody else, which was not the good thing. Even though it got me you know, gave me confidence, I guess, to work myself way up to be an actor and all that. In a, in a way, I wish I would have gotten that self-worth as a young boy, sort of like, you know, inside knowing I'm good enough, knowing, knowing I'm smart enough, knowing I could do it. I, you know, I didn't get that, but you sound well, you like... Wish you, gotten it, you wish you would have gotten it from who? I mean, I've talked about it before, but I, I feel like my family, my mother and father, I wish that I would have... You think you can get self-worth from your family? You can get support, but self-worth comes from one half of the two words self, man. No one can give you self-worth and you have self-worth. I mean, I've known you for 14 years, 50, however long you earned it. And you can't convince them if you, if, if you were a billionaire child and they said, Oh, you're great. You're perfect. And here's a hundred million dollars to go start a foundation. It's like jealousy. It always works the opposite. You think it's going to work. Like giving somebody self-worth is only going to take their self-worth away. It's when you're bleeding and sweating and crying going like, I can't make it. And you get that little, like, Hey, you were funny. You get help along the way, and it's our I think it's our duty as humans to help each other. Ultimately, it comes from yourself. I think there is a – look, self-worth is one thing, but like I think that support system, 
that creates self-worth. I think as a child, you're not, I'm not, I wasn't mature enough to have self-worth or know what self-worth was. So all I'm saying is if I would have got the support system, if I would have got the love, if I would have got all these things, I think the self-worth would have been there. Would have been more confident. Would have been more confident. But, but what would you look like now? What would I look like now? I, I think I, hair and a beard. No, I think I'd be more grounded. I think I'd be more, even though I'm a, like, I feel like I'm a, a, a good person. I feel like I try to do nice things and I'm charitable and all those things. I'm not going to pat myself in the back. I think I, I would have been a little more normal. I, and, and now you say, well, well, normal got you here. Normal guy. But I think I would have chosen more normalcy, more uh, grounded, more self-worth, more. Um, would normalcy have been self-fulfilling? You know, I mean, there's a point where uh, training wheels hinder don't help. And a support system can go too far. I feel like knowing you how, how I've known you, you have enough intellectual curiosity and compassion and empathy to be a perfect person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we all have our shit, but dude, I would argue that if you had more support, you wouldn't have a Burns jersey in the background because you wouldn't have that hunger. <laughs> I, you know what? You're probably right. You're probably right. And look, I, I, I agree. I'm here now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, have one foot in the past, one foot in the future. And I'm not, I don't want to do that because then you're pissing on the present. That's what my old therapist used to say. You're pissing on the present. If you still, if you stand up and you look at your left, leg, you get one foot in the past, one foot in the future, and you're pissing on the present. Look right down. There's a great argument. Again, maybe this is the forensic part of me coming out, but the whole foot in the past, foot in the future makes you piss on the present. My argument would be, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. You have to acknowledge what happened, where you came from, why you came from there, what those on the other side were trying to do, how, how it was benefiting them. You know, there, there are psychopaths on the planet um, who want to hurt people. But I think most I think the majority of people are trying to do the best they can, given the situation, circumstances they have, you know, so maybe I should pay you for this therapy session. Yeah, I thought you said you were sending a check. You're pretty knowledgeable. No, I'm going to send you wristbands. <laughs> I'll Remember? take it. Hey. That's what you're getting. You're getting a couple of wristbands, and you're going to support the inside. I want four wristbands. Do you want four? I do. I use four. Were you one of those guys on the set that if like it was up to you, or was it was a collaborative, collective? I don't want to put the blame on someone else, but to be on, as honest as you can, if when someone came up and said, hey, do you want to do three more seasons? Or do you want to do one more season that's balls out and not do three more seasons? Were you ready to just call it quits i um without selling out any friends i i agreed i mean i don't know what jensen did or didn't say i don't know what misha did or didn't say it was an agreement it, it none of us went fuck it i'm out fuck you guys you're cool you're cool you're cool fuck you you're cool i'm out kind of thing this was sort of like hey let's go ahead and do what's best for our family and the world and the show we had some pretty outstanding and outrageous support from CW and WB. Um, I feel like, and, and maybe, maybe it's part of them just, you know, um, being kind to their actors so that we don't freak out uh, like actors do and actresses. Um, but I, I believe that if we wanted to go five, 10, 15 more years, they probably would have justified because they know what we've, what we've sacrificed, how we've worked and how they've worked. We always said when the sh when it's time for the show to end, we'll know. And that moment hit, we were like, okay, I think it's time for the show to end. Like, I don't want to jump the shark. I don't want to go too far. I don't want to. And I say this, man, like I'm sitting next to a five month old puppy who was born five days after I had to put a dog down that I'd had for 16 years. 
And so, yeah, shout out to my girl up in doggy heaven. Uh, I got her in 2003 during Gilmore Girls, and uh, we had to put her down in January. And it wasn't easy. She would have lived longer, maybe a couple days, maybe a day, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a year. But she was going blind. She was going deaf. She was losing her faculties. And so it kind of came to that situation. And I, don't, I hope I'm not making too much of an analogy. Like, I don't think Supernatural is shitting itself when it sleeps. But it was one of those things like, I love this. And because I love this, I want to see it off. Uh, and let it go with honor um, into the next whatever. So I feel like with Supernatural, and I, I think Supernatural is doing some of its best work, and I think that's how I want to go out. And it's not my choice. Uh, it was me and Jensen and Bob and Andrew and Peter Roth and Mark Pedowitz, and we all talked, and Misha, and um, and we kind of had to have a come to God of like, hey, guys, okay, you know, this show isn't going to go 45 seasons so how many seasons is it going to go? What does it look like? How can we respect and honor and keep this show? Keep the quality and keep our, you know, be happy and be proud of what we've done and, and move on. For sure. And even, even one, like, I want to want more. I want the show to end wanting more Supernatural. Like, I don't want to do the last season going like, okay, let's just go ahead and finish this marathon. I want to finish the marathon going like, Damn it. I wish that was longer. That was incredible. What about like, a movie? What? If they approached you about a, a movie, a supernatural movie after the series, would you do it? I would love to. I would love to. And I did that uh, recently with Gilmore Girls. So I did Gilmore Girls. It was from 2000, 2007. I did the first five years. And then Netflix brought back a reboot. And I, I was available only to do one scene. But that was a fun little way to go revisit some of the other actresses and actors that I worked with, the producers, directors, and writers, and kind of give an homage to a show I'd worked on two decades ago. So... I would love that. I mean, that's obviously it's far too early to even, I suppose for the people who pay for it, talk about it, but man, I would love that. Did you ever lose your shit on Jensen or Jensen ever lose his shit on you? And you guys just kind of fought and then got, you love each other. So you made up, but you're like, fuck that, man. I'm so fucking tired of this. Fuck you. Yeah. Probably a dozen times. Really? Yeah, man. On sure. set, on set. Uh, we had a few growing pains where we, kind of be at wit's end and inevitably it was never about Jensen. It was never about me. It was about what was going on outside of set that you didn't have time to deal with. You know, you're, you're in a talk with your wife or your dad or your accountant and you're stressed out and then they're calling you back to set. You have to hang up and you're still worried about this or that. But I think the big deal is, is that Jensen and I have always had a commitment to each other. Hey, we have a great friendship and I'll value him as a friend and a brother forever. But I think the big deal was when we would reach wit's end, we'd walk off, we'd get together in one of our trailers, we'd hash it out. I was never pissed off at Jensen, and I don't think he was ever pissed off at me. I mean, sure, like any any two alpha males on set or at work anywhere, you're going to butt heads. And you're working 23 episodes, 20 to 23 episodes a year. You're there on top of each other all the time together. If you don't fight, something's wrong with you. If there's not, I mean, you, it's my, you've had a relationship with your wife for 15 years, 14 years. If you've not been married, fuck off. I know like 10, but the, yeah, the fuck you, Rob. yeah, fuck you, Rob. But the point is you've known him so long. You've been working together for so long, months, months. If you don't fight, something's wrong. If you don't get in a little spat. hundred percent. And I feel like that's where, again, going back and kind of throwing a, a little uh, tip of the hat to debate, like if you're talking about anything that's if, – if, if you're going through anything worthwhile, it does get contentious. You know, if, it's, if, if you're having a conversation that's worth a damn, you're going to have a strong opinion. They're going to have a strong opinion. They might not line up in exact parallel. We had ups and downs, but I think the, the, the deal with 
Jensen and me, even Misha as well, is that when we, whether it be Jensen or Misha or me, we're going through something or in a bad mood or got barky, the other people kind of boot, like step up, would rally around and be like, hey, yeah, what's going on, man? Cool. Like, all right. Get it out. Hey, you did this. That pissed me off. Cool. I didn't mean to. You did this. It pissed me off. Damn. I didn't realize that. All, all right, right. Let's. Then you get over it. Who cries more? Who gets more emotional? I, me, for sure. You get emotional. What do you get emotional about? <laughs> Why do you <laughs> well, Jensen said something about like, you know, we're talking about this now. And like you said something like, you know, and he was, it was, it was all a good spirit. He was, he was, you know, he loves you obviously, but he said something like, you know, he was like, oh man, this is our last hiatus. I'm like, dude, we got a year left. Come on. I get emotional about everything, man. I, I mean, do you cry on set? Have you cried in front of people? I've cried in front of people for sure. I don't know. Like for me, it's a, it's almost like hooting and hollering when you score a goal. I, I grew up in a state where maybe emotion, outward show of emotion by a, a person of my gender is not really welcome. And then when I started experiencing it, I was like, this is great, you know? And luckily I'm a big yeah. guy, so people don't make fun of me when I cry because I can beat their ass. Yeah. <laughs> now, I heard rumors back when, I remember being on Smallville going, yeah, I heard J Ackles and Padalecki got in a fight at a bar or something. Did that we did, we pumped. You huh? didn't know this? What was I it? Told was I, I wasn't there, right? No, me and Jensen and our buddy Jordan got jumped outside Lucy Mae Brown by like eight guys. And you got the shit beat out of you, right? No, we beat the snot out of them. All of them? How many guys was it? I think USA Today said it was like eight guys. And you beat them all up. Did they need to go to the hospital or they run away? Yeah, like three went to the hospital. Did you feel bad? Did they make you pay? No, they didn't make us pay. It's Canada. I was like, hey, if you shake their hand and give them a hug. Yeah, uh, buy him some maple syrup cookies and uh, all is well. Were they big guys? Uh, no, they, were, they weren't big and they, they were drunk. They, it was mistaken identity. Um, we were going to a bar where Jensen knew some of the bartenders and chefs and stuff. This was season one. This was literally like week two of shooting Supernatural uh, of all time. Did you get hit? Yeah, I got my ear busted. My, my hand broke. My shirt got torn. What about my Jensen? Buddy, uh, he got, yeah, he got hit a few times too. We just got jumped. We didn't, we thought we were like going out for a drink and got full on jumped. We were stone cold sober. We were coming off a set and we were going to meet our producer, Peter Johnson, who was leaving the next day back for LA. And it was the, one of the days of the fireworks in Canada. Remember there's like the fireworks they do every July, August. And a bunch of drunk dudes who had been in a big bar fight thought that we were some of the people they were fighting with. So they just came up and started punching. They just started, who got punched first? Jensen, I believe. In the face? I didn't see it happen at first. I went to call my producer who was coming there to meet us for a drink to tell him like, oh, this place is kind of bunk. Um, so I had my Motorola Razor phone in my hand. And then I turn around and I see this guy, I see Jensen and this guy holding each other almost, you know, like it looks like they're about to fight. And Jensen had lived in uh, Vancouver for a while with Dark Angel and Smallville and um, Still Life, a pilot he had done or a show he had done. Did Jensen look scared or kind of like, like what the no, fuck? He, scared. he was more like, we were all sort of like, uh, what? We all thought it was like some buddies he already knew that were coming up. You know, like you have a friend come up, and like he grabs you. Um, you know, like we didn't know what was going on until they started throwing full-on punches. And then you jumped in. We all, yeah, my buddy Jordan and I jumped in. Who's the best fighter out of the th three? You, you, Jordan, you, Jordan or Jensen? Me. And you beat the shit out of most of them. Would you say? Would Jensen well, concur? The, let's just say the the uh, the bouncer after the fight um, who didn't help. 
came up to me because after the fight and the cops came and the ambulances came and <clears throat> we felt the reports and we're like, I need a beer. So we went to go to the bar and <laughs> drink and the bouncer comes up and he's like, dude, you knocked out three guys in 10 seconds. And I was pissed off. And I was like, where were you? Why weren't you helping? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I guess my first three punches just dropped three guys out cold and they slept for a little bit. One of the guys broke his ankle and his jaw. I guess I broke his ankle and his jaw. And, and Supernatural hadn't aired yet, right? I don't know. It didn't air for months. And uh, full disclosure, I'm not saying go get in bar fights. I'm just saying if somebody punches you in the face, protect yourself. Yeah. Hey, hey bouncers, bouncers out there, do your job. If you see him. Well, fight. no. What the guy, well, the funny thing is, is if I saw this guy on the street right now, I wouldn't, I, I'd cross, like he was a big dude. But because I had just been in a fight and done pretty well for myself, I kind of grabbed him by the scruff of his collar and was like, why didn't you help? And he was saying, we're not allowed to, it's illegal. Like we're only allowed to break up fights. We can't jump in. Cause the guy was big. And I was like, we were outnumbered, man. Like at one point in time, some guy was about to tackle me and he hit me in the back of the head. And I was like, thanks for the help, man. Like, where were you? You know, how long did it take to calm down? How long did it take for your adrenaline to kind of go? Did you sleep that night? Oh, like a baby, probably, probably an hour, probably two beers. To everybody beer. was fine who got shook up the most in terms of like uh, that like was like that was a little heavy my hand was broken our, our buddy jordan got a concussion he got tackled and he was getting kicked in the head um so he was in a doozy for a little bit jeez have you have you been in a fight since no not not a not a legit like that i mean you know you wrestle buddies when you are fooling around all that but no fight where i meant harm like that fight i meant harm you know, every other altercation since then has been too many beers at a concert and you end up wrestling with your family or brothers. Not like like not me and Genevieve, but like my brother or uh, some other buddies or even like Jensen and I have wrestled in hotel rooms and Misha. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, like who could drink the most? Oh, God. I'd like to claim that I'm the heaviest. I would say me. What do you weigh? 220? Right now, I'm a little light because I'm doing all those marathons. I'm probably like 210, 215 right now. 6'3? Come on now. 6'6. Six, six. No, mm, half, half between. 6'4 no, and change. 6'4 and change. What are you? Uh, I'm about 72 inches. That's uh, six feet in layman's terms. For those who can't see what's going on, Rosenbaum just got a little sexual with me when he said, That's a big boy. He kind of looked up I and down. You did not. I you did. You kind of checked me out, even though all you can see is my shoulders. You can't yeah, well, even see. I was kind of. I was. I was checking you. Out. I was like, let me see your shoulders there, man. That's a nice lamp you got there. There is an actual lamp in there, <laughs> dude. This has been a real treat, man. I, uh, I really had fun. I mean, this you're so fun to talk to. I don't think we've had more of like more than a five minute conversation, and I don't even know how long. You know, this oh, has been. It's been a long time, man. I'm around, brother. You have my number. Dude, I really, really sincerely love this. I feel like I could, I just, I feel like you said, a buddy that comes up to you after not seeing you and goes, hey, and it feels like two minutes have passed. I feel like that. Like, I feel so comfortable. I think Rob even feels comfortable, Rob. Super comfortable. Super comfortable. Look at him. <laughs> I do, man. You're, you're a good dude. You, you deserve all the success. I love that you're a dad. You're a, you're a, a, a great father. Uh, a great friend uh you know you're a professional and you deserve the show and it's and i'm i know a lot of folks are going to be sad to see it in but 15 years is a, is a good stretch it's a good chunk of chunk of time and it's gonna be great i can't wait to hear the stories about you crying on set for this final season i, I was telling jensen it's gonna be like oh my god this is our last saturday of coming back from the beginning of a season this is <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, this is this is the last. By the way, that will be me, brother. Back at you, and uh, I know you, I know you wouldn't brag about this to your crowd, but um, there's probably one person on the planet who could call Jensen, Misha, and me on our time off and say, "Hey, you want to get on a phone call for an hour and record it?" And one person's you, man. I'm like, uh, dude. And download Skype, figure it out. <laughs> like, what What are we doing? We're Skyping? Jensen's like, why don't we be pen pals now? Honest to God, like, use Morse code, send passenger <laughs> pigeons. Um, I love you, buddy. Keep in touch. I'm going to be texting you dirty pictures. Done. Please I'm do. sending those. I'm sending those wristbands to you, those inside wristbands. All right, done. All right, buddy. Much All love right, to you, man. Ciao. See you, bud. Thank you for listening to Jared Padalecki. That was a great interview, and well, you guys decide if it was a great interview or not. But right now, um, off our album, our debut album, Left on Laurel, as I promised, the album's called Saved by the Ground. You could uh, pre-order it on iTunes. It's available on all platforms on October 4th. And merch, all the merch you want in the world is on in the Inside of You store. Spread the word. And at Left on Laurel, all social media platforms, please listen to it. Kent, Lally, Rob, Carl, I love you guys. This one is called Right Side of the Canyon. And he was never really leaving it all. But he can never quit the game. The time means something you talk about. And the story stays the same when you're driving on. On the right side of the canyon Climbing up that being way Trying not to feel abandoned Just gotta get out of my way Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.